Today, on the second Sunday of Lent, we continue our Lenten series, Character and Calling, where instead of asking ourselves to give up something for Lent, we follow the readings from the Apostle Paul in think about what key Christian character traits we might pick up along our Lenten journey on the way to Jerusalem. Last week, we began the series with belief, which, uh, as we talked about then, is kind of the root of all character uh, for, for the Christian. Today, we continue the series by looking at another characteristic, discipline. And we do so by looking to Paul's letter to the Philippians. I invite you to listen now with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the third chapter of Philippians, beginning with the 17th verse. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For many live as enemies of the cross, of Christ. I've told you of them often. And now I tell you even with tears. Their end is destruction, their God is the belly, and their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and it is from there that we are expecting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation so that it may be conformed to the body of his glory. By the power that also enables him to make all things subject to himself. Therefore, my brothers and sisters whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Since it's March, it's peak college basketball time, hence my Michigan State Cup. The conference tournaments are finishing up this weekend, and the big March Madness tournament begins later this week. Basketball's on many of our minds, maybe not everyone's, but I know it's on mine, so bear with me for a minute. I will certainly be rooting for my Michigan State Spartans this week, and I know uh, uh, many of you will have, have your teams to root for, and I know Virginia Tech had a big, big win in the ACC tournament, so we'll have lots of teams to root for, and it makes for a, a, a fun time. But I'll be cheering for my Spartans, so bear with me. This week, each year, I'm reminded why I feel so connected to the school, even though I never went there. Um, I'm a child of the school in that I grew up in, in kind of the vicinity of, of Michigan State University. My mother worked at the school for many years. But I also grew up going to their basketball camp, which to a seven- or eight-year-old kid is about the coolest thing ever because the Spartan players and coaches were the ones who worked with you. And you got to go to the camp in their practice facility and, and uh, the players and coaches would help you with your game, or at least help you have a good time together. I still remember my first year there where one of the assistant coaches spent a long time with me trying to teach me how to shoot a ball. I won't name his name because of my utter embarrassment right now of how bad my jump shot has become. But when he worked with me, he had me first imitate him. 
he would shoot the ball and, and have me watch him and try to do the same afterwards. I would try it again and again, and it certainly took a number of tries, but eventually watching him and hearing his explanation allowed me to imitate his shot into my own okay jump shot, let's call it. As I said today, the character trait of the Christian life that we're exploring through Paul this morning is discipline. While the term discipline is a loaded word in our culture and world today, one of the places that we seem to have a positive association with the idea of discipline is in sports. You'll hear uh, an announcer say that that team has a disciplined game plan. Winning takes discipline. Now, learning the fundamentals of any sport takes some kind of disciplined effort, which, like me and my so-so jump shot, begins with imitation. While Paul is worlds away from March Madness and even the sport of basketball, he was keenly aware that discipline can often start with imitation. New Testament scholar Frank Crouch organizes this text into a few questions to help, to help organize and help us think through it. I want us to look at two of these questions uh, to guide our conversation about this passage, but also to frame our conversation about the characteristic of discipline in the Christian life. The first question Crouch poses in light of this text is, who do you want to be like? Who do you want to be like? Our lesson this morning pleads with Paul, uh, be, sorry, begins with Paul pleading with the Philippians to imitate him. Now, out of context, this sounds a little odd. Wow, Paul sure seems full of himself to say, hey, you Philippians, just do like I'm doing, and you'll be so much better off. Now, leading up to this reading, Paul says, whatever gains I've had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. He goes on to talk about sharing in Christ's suffering, death, and resurrection, that Christ has made him his own. But there's even more going on here. Teachers in the Greco Roman world were expected to live as they taught and expected to show that very clearly. So this would be a fairly common thing for a teacher to tell their students. Except that Paul uses a really weird word in Greek here. It's the only time it's used in the whole New Testament. Sumometes. The Greek word for imitate, mimetes, kind of sounds like mimic, right? But Paul adds the prefix sum, which means with or alongside. So our English Bibles, I think, do us a bit of a disservice in our translation here. Paul seems to be asking the Philippians not simply to imitate him, but to join him in imitating Christ, in imitating Christ's humility and self-giving love. Really, it is the way of the cross. It is the way of fully giving of yourself to others in love. That is what it looks like to imitate Christ. And this is what Christian discipline is all about. And Paul is inviting the Philippians not just to join him, but to join the faithful others who live in the self-giving fully loving way of the cross. Really, Paul is saying that living in the way of the cross is not a solo sport. 
Such a self-giving, fully loving, truly humble way of living can only be done in community. It can only be done around one another. Christian discipline, then, is developed by seeking to imitate Christ's humility and love together in community, in fellowship with others. For Paul, this is a pressing task, of course. He goes on in our reading to talk about how he is weeping for those who live as enemies of the cross. Now, at the moment, Paul is likely talking about a dispute amongst early Christians about how strictly to follow particular dietary laws and otherwise. But the phrase he uses, enemies of the cross, speaks across time and place. We know full well how much of our world is tuned to a different key than the humble, self-giving way of Jesus, the way of the cross. And I'm not speaking necessarily about non-Christians. Far from it. Virtually all of our world's religions commend their adherents to live humble lives in love and in service to others. Enemies of the cross might be understood as people, institutions, worldviews, some Christian and some not, who seek self-promotion and self-interest alone rather than the way of Jesus, the self-giving, fully loving way of the cross. Paul is clear with the Philippians that we cannot be swayed or led astray by such cross-defying ways in our lives. He calls them and us to a disciplined way of the cross that can be found and lived out only in community. Our denomination's book of order near its very, very beginning has these words that I think echoes this sentiment from Paul. The church is to be a community of faith, entrusting itself to God alone, even at the risk of losing its life. It is only together where we can seek to live out this disciplined, self-giving way of the cross together. Paul goes on to remind the Philippians in a world which seeks to defy the self-giving way of the cross that our true citizenship is in heaven. Now, citizenship in the biblical age, which is some 1,500 years before our common under or current understanding of sovereign nation-states, is understandably a little different. It had a little different connotation and idea to it. So rather than one's national identity as we might think of it today, this word for citizenship might be better understood as where one's allegiance lies or the very locus of one's own community. In my weekly Zoom Bible study, which is Mondays at noon, by the way, shameless plug, if you want to join in. One of our folks in this group chimed in when we talked about this section in the text, saying that this seems akin to the Southern idiom, who are your people? Where's our citizenship? Who are our people? It really is a fair question for the Philippians then and for us as the church today. Motivational speaker Jim Rohn once said that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Think about that. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. 
In other words, the people you surround yourself with have a significant impact on your life, on your personal growth, on your areas of concern, and of course, also on your faith journey. This quote in light of Paul's words beckoned us to think about who are our people? Who do we surround ourselves with? And are they empowering us to grow in faith and discipline in the self-giving way of the cross? So the first question we explored is, who do you want to be like? The second question from Crouch's assessment I want us to take a look at this morning is, how open are you to being changed? After Paul implores the Philippians to join him in imitating Christ's self-giving love and community with others, he says that Christ will transform the body of our humiliation so that it may be conformed to the body of his glory by the power that also enables him to make all things subject to himself. Christ can and Christ will transform us, change us from humiliation to glory, from self-serving to self-giving, from loving self to loving all creation. The disciplined way of the cross might begin with imitation. It may then be formed and sustained in community, but ultimately it leads to one's own transformation. I can't think of a more life-changing moment than becoming a parent. I still remember when our daughter was born, Marie and I had read all the books, gone to the classes, we had the nursery set up, the car seat was in, you name it, but once she was born, Marie and I looked at our sweet, adorable newborn child, and we shared a thought that I'm guessing most parents have. Does this little human come with an instruction manual? We would be and continue to be forever changed in our new role as parents. At first, like Paul says, we imitated others. We imitated other models of parenting from the strong community around us, from our own parents to how we saw our friends and family parent uh, with, their, with their children. And even we, we imitated the love and support we, we uh, experienced from our church family. But little by little, as we imitated, as we grew into these roles, we found our own way as parents, as we grew more and more into this role. As we did, our lives have been transformed by this life-changing experience in which we seek to fully give of ourselves to our children. Discipline begins with imitation, but through a life of faithful discernment and community, it leads to transformation. It leads to God changing your life from the inside out. The self-giving, fully loving way of the cross leads to changed lives, to transform communities, and a transformed world that more closely resembles God's reign. No wonder Paul concludes this reading by saying, Therefore, my brothers and sisters whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. My joy, my crown. Paul finds joy in this community and he seeks to encourage them in a life-draining, self-serving world to commit to the self-giving way of the cross. It can be hard to continue on when it seems that the world is set to a different tune. 
The events of the past couple weeks in Ukraine and beyond have only made this reality and the need for the self-giving, fully loving way of the cross all the more clearer and more urgent. Yet it can be easy in light of the overwhelmingness of bad news around us, the negative attitudes, the divisiveness of the community and world, it can be easy to lose hope. This week, I heard a story on NPR about the West Side Elementary School in California, whose teachers decided the world could use a little encouragement and hope from kindergartners. So they created a hotline they called Pep Talk, but it was spelled like I would imagine a kindergartner might spell it out of sound, P-E-P-T-O-C. And it was a hotline where people could call in and receive just such a pep talk. Teacher Jessica Martin, one of the organizers of the project, reflected, I thought, you know, with this world being as it is, we all really need to hear from them, that is the kindergartners, their extraordinary advice, and their continual joy. When one calls into the hotline, they'll be greeted with a menu stating, if you're feeling mad, Frustrated or nervous, press 1. If you need words of encouragement and life advice, press 2. If you need a pep talk from a kindergartner, press 3. If you need to hear kids laughing with delight, press 4. For encouragement in Spanish, press 5. Once you choose an option, you might hear encouragement from these children such as, Be grateful for yourself. Dude, live it up. It's okay to be different. Finally, there was one with a group of children saying together, we already like you. As you might imagine, the hotline went viral immediately, and within two days, it was receiving nearly 700 calls an hour. These kids in the school found a life-giving way to do what Paul encourages the Philippians and all Christians to do to continue to give of yourselves in love and service to each other. In this way, we imitate Christ together as a community of faith as we commit ourselves to the self-giving, fully loving way of the cross. As we continue on our Lenten journey, friends, may we seek to grow in discipline and practice the self-giving way of Christ's love for all. May it be so, friends. Amen.